to the Clock and Talk and Arsenal podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You'll follow us at Clock and underscore Talk on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Uh, you can download the podcast on any good podcast app. We're also available on YouTube. Um, okay, each and every week I'm joined by a couple of lads, uh, Tony and Schwinn. So, Tony, how are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Um, had a good day at Arsenal yesterday. I don't know, for people who don't follow us on Twitter, I actually sat in the clock end yesterday, which is the first time in about 10 years. So, this week we genuinely are clock end talk, which is unusual. <laughs> but you... East End talk didn't have a ring to it. So <laughs> I've seen you tweet that out. What was the, what was the story behind that? Uh, so one of the companies I work with uh, had some seats in a box so I took a couple of friends that I also work with and um, yeah sat in a box in the clock end okay good good sitting back there um, I mean I was in club level for anyone knows so it's kind of like a corporate level it's like the middle ring at the Emirates when you see it it's the one that's always empty after half time because you get free beers at half time um, it's, the view was very good but I prefer sitting on the side because you can see the whole whole pitch better, mm. and like you can't you can't tell how far out things are when you're at like lengthways. Like so, when we're down the other end of the pitch, you don't know if someone's five yards out or, or sort of fifteen. Um, like if I was in my seat, I would have known straight away Bamiyang was offside for the goal. Yeah, um, guess <laughs> yes. that's a spoiler. If someone hasn't seen it, <laughs> and, uh, but it, at that seat, I, I genuinely didn't have a clue until they showed it on the screen. Um, yeah. When I saw the Everton players appealing for offside, I thought they were appealing for Ozil being offside at the start of the move. So, I mean, yeah, the seat was lovely, nice day, blah, 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 but give me my own seat any day of the week. <laughs> Fair enough. And Schwinn, how are you, buddy? Uh, doing very well. Three points yesterday. Uh, not the prettiest, prettiest of games, but you know what? We got a clean sheet. And uh, some might even say we earned the clean sheet. So, happy days. Happy days, mate. And three points. We love that. Um... Okay, look, we'll get into it. Tony, a uh, lineup came out. It was pretty much what I expected. Your thoughts? Yeah, it literally exactly what I expected. Uh, to, I knew Torreira would come in after he only played 60 the other day. So, uh, yeah, literally, I couldn't, couldn't. That's exactly what I would have went for. I think all three of us probably would have gone for the same. Did you well, tweet out? Him to the same. Yeah, yeah. Did you tweet out the. Was it you that did the poll? Uh, Czech or Leno? No. No, okay. because I mean, for me, that's a stupid question because even before yesterday, it don't matter who we prefer. I think everyone in their right mind knew. I know, I know, Leno won the poll, but everyone knew it was going to be Czech. So yeah. I mean, I just don't waste my time in pointless stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw in the poll, and I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. We we know it's Czech, but I, I I get where people are coming from though because they wanted Leno, and I think it got about seven hundred odd hits on that poll too. So, um, Schwinn, you expected that, mate? I did, uh, you know, as we discussed after the midweek game, uh, we expected uh, a bit bit of the rotation to come in from from that day. And uh, as I said, after the Newcastle game, I thought Torreira was going to start. He was finally going to get the nod uh, because of uh, how he connected with his teammates and uh, how he looked to improve them. So as expected, uh, I, I I did think that Mkhitaryan would be available, but apparently he picked up a knock and uh, was not available um, as a part of the 18. So. Hopefully he'll be back soon, and we can we can bring him in when required. And I forgot to mention before I started here, um, if you can hear a little bit background noise from me, it's absolutely pissing down rain here at the moment. So I apologise for that. If you can hear a bit of background noise, um, Tony, it was the first half that 
you know, it went in nil-nil, obviously. Uh, your thoughts on the first half? Not much happened. Um, yeah, it was a weird one. It was a, a very even game, I guess. They they probably had the better of the chances, uh, almost certainly. Uh, a lot of the game was played in the midfield. They kept possession a lot of the time without doing anything, and we didn't bother to close them, which, again, takes away this notion that we're a pressing team. Like We just didn't bother. We just let them have the ball, which is not a negative. Um, we made a couple of chances that we should have done better. Uh, Pickford made a very good save from Nacho. Uh, there was one where uh, Ozil broke from, from deep, and he tried to square it to Ramsey, and I think it was Keen, but it was one of their players just got a touch on it and took it away from Ramsey. Uh, but then... Calvert-Lewin should have scored, uh, Walcott could have scored, and Richarlison had a, had a decent chance. So, I mean, yeah, you'd probably say it was their half if you had to score it, but it was very tight. Um, but, I mean, Czech made two off, or at least two saves that you'd expect to concede from, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schwinn going into half-time, mate, you're thinking nil-nil. What's going on? And we, you know, you start to get a bit worried. Are we going to come here if we score an early goal? We're, you know, confidence. You're a bit happier. I'm a bit happier, and we all are. But um, at half time, mate, what was your thoughts? Yeah, it seems to be the tale that we've seen so far this season. Where you know, against Newcastle, against Cardiff as well, I think. Uh, you know, the first half has been a bit slow. And we've taken a, you know some time to to hit the ground running and and find our feet. Um, at halftime, I think this was the most challenged game for us, perhaps uh, in some way where it wasn't as if our football wasn't working, but we were actively being bombarded. And if if it weren't for check, then I'm sure we would have uh, struggled to get the points on the day. Uh, but you know, as soon as we came out, we again found found our feet. Uh, uh, were able to retain possession, and till the time Lacazette scored, I think it was pretty much uh, one way football. So I think it has, you know, I think the halftime team talk is is something that is leaving some positive impact. I, I guess more important question is why aren't we able to start games this way? Um, you know, we, we were a bit nervy in the beginning. Granit Xhaka lost the ball uh, a couple of times in key areas. Uh, Mustafi was not quite himself yesterday, or we can say Mustafi of the past uh, that we've seen. Uh, losing Socrates, I think, also was a bit of a psychological blow in that regard, but I think Rob Holding did pretty well. Uh, apart from Czech, I thought Lacazette had a very good half. His interplay was very good. Uh, the, the instance that Tony just mentioned where Mesut Ozil was away was through a Lacazette through pass, which was very, very good. So, you know, Ramsey still is a question mark for me in the position he's he's being played in. And I'm not sure where we're, where we're headed with that. But uh, at halftime, I, you know, what we'd seen, I thought maybe we can still bring our shit together and maybe get the points. And you brought up a little, uh, you know, mentioned a couple of loose passes. And Tony, your thoughts on on that? Because that was something that really frustrated me. And Granite done it. I, I think Torreri had one or two. Um, you know, just just seem we seem to give away the ball too much. Yeah, I think they they started with. I mean, when I looked at their lineup, I thought they were going to press heavily. They started basically their their most energetic players. I mean, you, look, you wouldn't say Calvert-Lewin's their best striker, but he's definitely their most energetic. They started Walcott and Richarlison either side of him. Uh, Tom Davis, who hasn't even been getting in their team, but he's got a very good engine, started him with their captain, which is weird. But And then Idrissa Garnagay's got a very good engine. Sigurdsson 
is the only one you'd probably say isn't renowned for his running out of them them five or six. So their their fronts they 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 were made to to hassle us and they didn't press as hard from Czech. They let Czech pass it out, but then seemed to starve the ball getting into midfield and try and nick it there. And it worked well for a period. I, I don't know if it was something that we maybe wasn't expecting. We where everyone's been pressing us, we've been working so hard on on playing out from the back but starting from the keeper and playing around teams, they made it, they took the playing around them out of it by, by only sort of starting to try and get the ball once it was at the centre-back's feet. Mm-hmm. So it's something different and it took us some time to adjust. Um, I, I disagree with Schwinn. I thought Lacazette had quite a poor first half. I thought his first touch was off on a number of times and that allowed the ball to come back up, back at us. Also after um, he, I uh, don't even want to say Mr. Chance when Ramsey cut it back to him and he should have hit it. He never hits anything first time, which does my head in. Um, but he took the touch and it was a poor touch and he got tackled. And then for about 10 minutes after that, every touch he had was bad. And I don't know if that was playing on his head. And I thought he had a very good second half, but I thought the first half too much bounced off of him and came back. And, and when a team is pressing you and you're losing stupid balls in the middle like we were, you kind of need the ball to stick up top for a bit just to take pressure and also just to complete some passes. If someone, say Xhaka or Torreira, fizzes it into Lacazette and he holds it for a bit, they feel better about themselves. So I've made a complete. Whereas, even though it's a completed pass, if it does go to him and it, but then he has a bad touch and it bounces back, it's like, oh shit, we're under pressure again straight away. Whereas if they pass it to him and he holds it and then he plays a pass, it's, it's like it relieves the, the pressure from the whole team. So I, I don't think he had the best first half. And it was just sloppy all around, but I don't know. In a way, I've kind of got to credit Everton. It was a weird one because I don't know if you guys have seen the same interview, but uh, when Marco Silva was interviewed after the game, he said, oh, I made some changes at half time and they looked like they were working for a bit, but then they scored. And I, I was sitting there thinking, why would you change it? You, Yeah, we had chances, but you was cutting us apart. You had loads of chances yourself and, and we was really struggling to play football. Um, so so that was a that was a strange one from him. I don't, I couldn't pinpoint what exactly it was he changed. But he made a very big point of saying, "Yeah, I made changes at half-time. So Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, I, I, I did see that that night. Was wondering exactly the same yourself because even the tempo, you know, that they were coming, and it was, and it was making us go, you know, pass quicker, and we were trying, and that was creating the errors. And I, whatever they did, that probably first twenty, thirty minutes, um, you could arguably say the first half, they, they probably had us. You know, a bit of pressure on us, um, especially in the midfields, because we we were just giving away loose balls. Um, so Torreira, fifteenth minute, he gets that yellow card, Schwinn. Um, and if you fast forward this podcast, we've actually we did speak about it with uh, Vish, but it's a yellow card for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those where he was a bit late, and it just. You know, to the eye, it seemed a, a, a bit harsh uh, in terms of the, the strength of the challenge. And when you miss the ball completely, then you're just giving the ref a, a, a reason to book you. And that's exactly what happened. And then the second one was uh, Socrates in the 30th minute. That was yellow. Again. Yeah, again, a smart one, uh, to be fair. You know, just outside the box, I think uh, I want to give him the credit there that he knew where he was and wasn't inside the box at that point. Uh, he knew he was going to lose Walcott uh, and was not going to be able to recover. So it just brought him down, and I don't know if that's the one that, that did some damage on him, but of course he went off after that, um, so hoping he would be fine. But you know we didn't, we didn't concede afterwards, which is a good thing, but it shows that you know against some of the pacier players, um, our center backs are a bit suspect. 
and we, we might be able to you know get get away with it in certain cases but it can really hurt us and Dominic Cal- Calvert-Lewin uh Richarlison and uh Walcott were were running things for a bit which uh, which was not exactly uh what you want to see especially in the first minute of the game I think that's when Calvert-Lewin got away didn't he mm-hmm. yeah that's right um, Tony, and then we fast forward to the, the, the Lacazette goal in the 56 minute. But it, it look, it was a brilliant goal, and I'll let you explain the goal in a minute. But I just want to talk about the lead up. I don't know if you noticed it at the ground or they they held the board up, but the commentators here, and I, you, you might have got touche when that Lacazette was just about to be subbed off, um, and then he scores that that wonderful goal. Um. Yeah, so I mean, Iwobi was on the sideline, completely stripped, ready to come on. But I think it was for Aubameyang. Um Obviously, he played midweek. He was playing out wide. He wasn't really being too effective. Uh, I, I don't know either way, but the, the feeling in the ground was that it was going to be for Aubameyang, not Lacazette. I don't know if the commentators confirmed it. Definitely was Lacazette, but um, yeah, okay, yeah, they did say they said Lacazette over here um, was just about to come off, and I think it may have been for. No, it was definitely Iwobi. Iwobi, yeah, Iwobi was just about to come on, yeah. Which, that, um, that yeah. seemed weird. So maybe the commentator fucked up on that. Oh, he, he may be right. I said the feeling in the ground was it was a Bamiyang. You can just see, I don't want to dig him out, because he didn't have a bad game, to be fair, but you can see he just doesn't want to be on the left. Like, he just purely doesn't want to be there. But then, as I said, I personally, and I know Schwinn disagrees, I thought Lacazette had a bad first half. So I think either of them would have been understandable at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, as as Iwobi's there, waiting to come on. Um, I want to give credit, and I know people are queuing up to give him credit at the moment, but I want to give Lucas Torreira quite a lot of credit for the goal, for nicking the ball back in front of their player. Rather than standing him up and, and letting him have the ball, but making sure he couldn't go there, he was proactive, nicked the ball in front of him, got it to Ramsey. Uh, quite a cool head from Ramsey. Um, I've seen him shoot from there. I've seen him do or try too much. He played the simple ball that was on, and it, it's, it's a crazy finish from Lacazette. Um once uh, my biggest grievance is him, with him is that he never shoots first time. But once he's had a touch and he's settled himself, I think his finishing is up there, is second to none. It's just, as I said, I, I personally feel he needs time to finish. But yeah, once he's taken that touch, I mean, the finish is crazy. Mm-hmm. No, good goal, and uh, that put all our minds at ease a bit because we go up the one nil. So, um, and then Schwinn, obviously, uh, Bemiang, he gets on the scoreboard as well, uh, assisted by Ramsey again. Yeah, but you know that that's one where you can just see that you know the the word assist is or any stat is just so skewed because uh, yes, it was a pass that Ramsey eventually got into Aubameyang, but a Aubameyang was offside, and you know we really made a meal out of that. You know, I, I'm, we got away with it very, very uh, in, in, in just the most precarious manner. You know, when you have two players in the box with one looking to feed either of those two, someone needs to go near post, someone needs to go far post. It's football one on one. And both Aubameyang and Ramsey were just not on the same page there. Ramsey should be definitely making a dart towards the front post. And I think Mesut Ozil was quite pissed off uh, because he actually, I think, thought that the goal was given offside. So he he actually flung an arm in, in the air and, and it was almost questioning what Ramsey was doing there. But, you know, what, well, we got away with it. And I think that's sort of just sealed the game for us. You know, Everton did try to knock on our goal after that. Uh but to our credit, we, we just shut things down. And as Tony's complained a lot of times on, on here, that we don't manage the game well. And I think yesterday was one of those cases where we did, and we just saw the game out. 
Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so that was. Yeah, that was, that was way way offside. But yeah. Um, well, it's, it's Aubameyang scored two goals against Everton since he's been in the, like since he's been at Arsenal, and they've both been offside. They just must be sick of him. Fucking hell, eh? Yeah, not good, eh? <laughs> but we get away with it, boys. Happy days. Lucky with that. Um, well, I mean, for me, for me, we should have had a penalty two minutes before. I think it was at the first goal when Aubameyang's headed the ball back. And I know John Joe Kenny was close to him. But, I mean, look where his arm was and the ball was clearly going to an Arsenal player. For me, that's that's a penalty every day of the week. So we can argue about, look, it was clearly offside. I'm not even trying to deny that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I hate saying def- decisions will even themselves out because they don't. But in that instance, I think they have. Because for me, that's... If you're not giving that as a penalty, you might as well just say you're allowed to handball it. Is that yeah? You're talking about that handball, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely handball. Should have been a penalty. Yeah, that was yeah, that was. That was a couple of minutes before that goal. It was either just before the first goal or in between the two. Yeah. But I think it was first. Yeah, yeah. Um, no. So you know, a bit of karma, I suppose. Come back. Yeah. Well, as I said, they 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 don't even set even themselves out, but. You can't. I don't think you can go too. And I'd say the same if it was against us. I don't think you could go too strongly on the injustice. And to be fair to Everton, they haven't really. But I don't think you can go too strongly on the injustice when you've got away with something like that literally seconds before. Mm-hmm. Um, boys, so I'm just going to touch quickly um, your thoughts on the subs that come on: Holding, Awobi, and Welbeck. He came on in the 80th minute for Ramsey. But I'm going to get in bogged down Ramsey a little bit because we've got some questions on that. So we'll. We'll touch on that one soon. But uh, on the subs, boys, Tony? Uh, for me, I thought Rob Holding was very good when he came on. Uh, he seemed to match Walcott for pace at times, which was strange. Uh, he held his own in the strength battles. I don't think anything was any of the chances were particularly his fault. And look, I, I think Socrates has been very good since he's come in. But thinking of all the chances they had, they were all while Socrates was on the pitch. So I know they were early on, but when Calvert-Lewin went through, uh, it was Socrates on the pitch. When Walcott went through, it was Socrates. When Rosalishan, uh, both his shot that just went wide, that was definitely when uh, Socrates on the pitch. The one that Czech saved, I'm not sure about. So, again, I'm not blaming Socrates for anything, but I, I just think I think we looked a bit more calm with Rob Holden there, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we faced as much pressure once Holden was on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, I thought he had a good game too. Um, Schwinn, Awobi, Welbeck? Iwobi was good as well. I thought he carried some of the momentum he had uh, gained during the midweek and uh, was happy to take players on. Again, very good strength, very good tenacity, um, and was combining well. I think he picked up the pace of the game very well and, and didn't have any problem in, in slotting right in. He he does seem more natural on the left than Aubameyang, which of course we've spoken about. But you know, at, at some point, especially as the games grow t- uh, go thicker during you know the, the latter parts of of the season, uh, I don't think we can stick with Lacazette and Aubameyang. You know, we'll need some more rotation, and I think it will be is one of those players who's going to be knocking on the manager's door if this form form continues. Welbeck was was good. He worked hard, uh, made a good couple of runs. wasn't really found. Uh, I think there was one chance that was that was begging to be to be played in towards the right when he didn't really get his head up and just played it will be towards the left and the the Emirates faithful let him know that they were not particularly uh, approving of that. 
but you know he works hard he he shows a lot of desire he he makes himself available on, on the counter and that late on when you're packed back in your half that's really what you want so so good on him to come out and work hard mm. um no i couldn't agree he, he, he yeah couldn't agree more mate he, he he did well the way he did well as well i thought tony every week we've seen um gwen doozy Tuera, Granite, we've you know we've seen the trio type of swap around half time. You know, Emery's not sure who. He's obviously uh, you know Torreira and Granite. They played a full full game. Was it, were you surprised uh, Guendouzi didn't come on at any stage, or is that uh, basically cement them two as as you know yeah midfielders? No, I mean look, uh, well, I'm not just saying me, but a lot of people after the the Cardiff game, we knew what the them two were going to eventually be our starting two. I said at the time that the only doubt was Newcastle because of the international break, but after that, Torreira would be in the team. So for me, I can't see much rotation, including uh, including Guendouzi in proper first-team games. He'll probably play against Brentford. But for me, I think fitness allowing and, and, and suspensions and whatnot, mm. I think we've seen our starting two that uh, is going to be in our strongest team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Man of the match for you? Check. Yep. By an absolute distance. Yeah, I agree, I agree to check for my um, Schwinn? Yeah, no doubt. Kept us in the game, earned us the clean sheet, and if it wasn't for him, it could have been a cricket score. Mm. It goes, but I mean, it's similar to what I said about Socrates last week against Newcastle, and I know some people agreed, some people didn't, but you can you can argue about what the attacking player's done in the second half, but had Czech not what done any what he done in the first half, we were 2 or 3-0 down and the game's finished. So, I mean, it's yeah. on a, I'm basing it on the similar principles I gave Socrates it against Newcastle, that if they don't do what they do, the attacking player's input becomes almost non-existent or not important. Mm-hmm. Um, Walcott got a good welcome home. Yeah, he always does. He got clapped off. It's interesting. He'd done an interview during the week saying he would definitely celebrate if he scores, which is very optimistic when you're Theo Walcott. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean... I personally think he's all talk. I don't think he would have celebrated. Um, but yeah, he got a good he got a good reception when his name was read out before the game, and then when he got subbed off, he got a, a quite a loud clap. So yeah. fair play to him. Look, he gave us a lot of service. He had some good moments. Yes, we had some bad moments, but he, he always tried for us. So fair enough. He deserves it for me. Mm. Okay, I want to touch on two players, boys, before we uh, go to some live callers and some questions. So. Two players that really bugged the fucking hell out of me last night, and you guys might agree or disagree. Ramsey, yes, I know he got two assists, but he he just, oh, I don't know, I don't know. It just, I don't know where he fits in or how he fits in. And another one is uh, Hector Bellerin. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to, I know the haters, are, the, the lovers are out there going to go, oh, fuck, Tez is hating on Bellerin again. But I just, the, what, he runs up that wing. He he just he gives balls away. He, it's almost I I just can't put my finger on it, boys. But I, I don't. What he does, I don't see any benefit of what he does. He seems to have a great engine and seems to do something, but there's nothing, no product at the end of what he does. Uh, your thoughts, Tony? Uh, to be honest, I was quite surprised because I didn't think Ramsey was awful yesterday. But then I come out of the ground, looked on Twitter. And, and everyone was on his back, and it surprised me. And I'm not basing that on two assists. I thought he he's running and pressing, especially when you look at, as I said earlier, they had Davis and um, and Adrissa Garnagay, who are both known for their engine. 
you need someone to combat that. So even if Ramsey might have done not done loads on the ball, and I've not seen the stats, he might have given the ball away a bit. I don't know, but I thought he had an okay performance. As I said, he matched them for energy. He he got up, he was there when um, obviously he, to get them assists. Even though look, they're both pretty simple passes, and I personally think he overran ran the second one. Um, but you still have to be there to do that. Um, so I, I didn't think he was awful. I'm not saying he was good, but I didn't think he was anywhere near as bad as everyone's saying. And, and that doesn't mean I think he should play there because I absolutely don't. But I think yesterday, from my opinion, a lot of people are moaning just because they don't want him there and not so much on his actual performance. Um, in terms of Hector, he had one moment where I was pulling my hair out when Richarlison backed into him and Hector was just completely the wrong side. What are you doing? Like it was just the most basic of defending. But beyond that, and again, I'm not I'm not a huge Hector fan. I thought he had a pretty solid game. Again, nothing to write home about. But as I said, I think the only mistake was he got pinned by Richarlison on the wrong side, and then Richarlison went on to shoot, and I think it was one check saved, um, probably midway through the first half. But apart from that, I thought he had a pretty solid game, and I'm by no means a Hector fan, so I'm not coming at that with any bias. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Schwinn. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough to disagree with all of that. You know, Ramsey, the criticism for Ramsey, I think, mostly comes from, as Tony said, that we've seen what Ramsey is capable of. I mean, if you see one of the instances where he dropped deep in the first half, you know, it, it was one of the best chances we created uh, that eventually saw Nacho take a shot on. And that was a good save from from Pickford. You know, Ramsey plays the ball into Mesut Ozil. Uh, after dropping deep, Mesut Ozil finds Hector Bellerin, who plays in a good first-time cross. And you can even see Ramsey at that moment is pretty much on the edge of the box, if not three, four yards inside it, because he's always chasing his his pass. So we can see glimpses of that, and we've seen that in the past. So you know, I think it's more of that fans being trans, you know, transposing those those ideas and that history we've seen of Ramsey playing from the deep. So I, I understand the the criticism that comes from from Ramsey starting in the 10 and what that eventually leads to you know it leads to a lot of other displacement into the team so um, look none of us are, are big fans of, of Ramsey being deployed out there especially when as Tony mentioned before we, we started recording that he was our highest uh, according to the heat, heat map he was the furthest uh, forward throughout the game which again you know beg, begs a lot of questions as to what exactly do we need him to do there in terms of Hector Bellerin I thought this was his one of his better attacking performances. I thought he played a couple of good passes inside and uh, was a bit more involved. Look, Richarlison is one of the better wingers, at least on form in the you know, you know in the in the Premier League. And I thought that he didn't really have a good game. But you know, Hector Bellerin is suspect defensively, and I thought Mustafi was able to bail him out every now and then. And Lucas Torreira did a very good job on on Richarlison when when tracking back. But we all know where Hector has been lacking. And for the past three, four weeks, it was in the attack. And I, I, it was good to see him at least improve in one department, even if that meant a bit of a sacrifice in the other. Yeah, I just, for me, I just, I never I never see any end product from him. He looks good and he he looks like he's going to do something, but then it fizzles to nothing. Um, and, and I noticed, uh, you know, him and Ozil were trying to do little things. And, and I think Ozil was getting a bit frustrated because... It wasn't coming off, so it was it was just no end product. And for me, and then and then he lacks that defence. And I don't want to write him off, but because uh, you know I get behind all their players on the team. But I just it just frustrates me. That's all. Um, I think just quickly, Tess. I think one of the one of the differences when Mkhitaryan plays and when Mazadozil plays is when we have Mickey on the right, 
a lot more of the buildup happens on the right. And then at that point, you have some of the central midfielders also on the right because they're helping with the inter- interchanging and, and some of the interplay. So if you do lose the ball, you have some players in the area to be able to bail you out or for Hector to come back. When you have Mesut Ozil on the team, he drifts in central and he tends to go a bit towards the left side. And you, at that point, are hoping for Bellerin to make a surging run forward when, when, the, scales are ba- when the scales are tipped towards the left. If you do lose the ball in that case, I think Bellerin is left for with no cover. And I think that leads to a lot of his demise on the, on the defensive end. Yesterday, I, I thought actually he, he took a couple of players on, which we've not seen over the past two, three weeks. And I, he actually put in a couple of good deliveries. I, I, I get your point. I think he's not doing enough. I, I do agree with that. But based on what we've seen, I think there was a slight improvement, at least offensively, in my opinion. Yeah, I just look at the other, you know, the other side when you look at Nacho and um, Abema Yang, um, and obviously uh, Granite's there as well uh, most of the time. But but it, we we don't seem to lack the goals down the down that side as opposed to Bellerin Ozil's side. Um, I don't like I said, I just can't. Have, I can never put my finger on it, but I I just. Uh, Maybe he does. He gets up too high, and then, you know, if he does lose the ball, then it's hard to trek back, and he's he's waiting for you know Mustafi's got to bail him out or Tuera, I suppose. So maybe you're right there too. I'll um, I'll have another look look at that next next week when we play. And a bit of credit to Torreira for you know Tony gave him some credit for for combining in that goal, but I thought he did very well not to. Uh, get booked and get sent off after you know getting his first yellow card in the what, 15 16 minutes in mm-hmm. so some some credit there uh to to lucas Torreira to keep his you know head on his shoulders and not really get carried away yeah yeah okay boys let's get to some live callers Each and every week, we're joined by our wonderful listeners, and this week we've got uh, Maddie. How are you, buddy? Hey, hey, guys. I'm good, thanks. That's all right, mate. Uh, three points. Happy days against Everton. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I can't moan, uh, but I think I think uh, we were lucky that Everton didn't score uh, for a couple of goals initially. Uh, we were really on the back foot. No worries, mate. Who's that in the background saying good day? <laughs> uh, what do you got for us this week, mate? Yeah, uh, I have one question. Is like uh, uh, Tom Davis and uh, the other player, Gana, I think, uh, both uh, made a lot of, uh, I should say, systematic fouls uh, to, you know, uh, ruffle us up. But uh, we... Uh, I mean, we I also seen a couple of stats in which uh, we attempted a lot of tackles, uh, or I may, maybe I should say unsuccessful tackles, and fouled Everton players. So, um, what, what 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 do you think, guys? That was it. Like we improved on our game management because uh, half time we were nil nil, and that that was actually a positive uh, sign that we are not considering. Uh, even though we were attacked a lot, that was my first question. And uh, second question was, uh, uh, as much as uh, Ozil, we I'm I, I'm sure we're going to discuss a lot about Ozil, Ramsey, and their positioning and all. But I felt uh, instead of uh, substituting Ramsey, I think we should have substituted Ozil because Ozil was like almost 
uh, energy less towards the end of uh, match and i felt uh, that could have proved very uh, difficult in the end but fortunately we survived yeah no worries mate you 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 run a marathon over there buddy yeah it seemed like you had a breath <laughs> yeah actually i'm i'm walking down uh, to pick up my daughter from tuition so ah very good okay tony what do you got mate uh, just just to pick up on the first question for me, and I kept saying this at the game yesterday, I very highly rate Adrissa Garnagay. And uh, he does have a lot of systema- systematic fouls, but he's very clever in the way he fouls in that uh, he, he very rarely picks up bookings. He's a lot like Fernandinho in that he fouls you without ever making a tackle, so it's rare that you get booked for them. Um, I mean, with our, with our attempted tackles, I mean, I don't know if... It came from trying to intercept the ball more and trying to nick the ball more that you're trying to that you're gonna give away give away more fouls. For me, the only foul I can think we gave away that was potentially dangerous was the Socrates one on Walcott where Digne's free kick was tipped over by Czech and Socrates made that foul on purpose. He knew he was beat, so he took the book in, which I'm I'm more than happy for. Um, so as long as you're fouling in the right areas. I haven't seen it again, so from the ground, uh, Torreira's booking looked a little harsh. It looked like a foul, but maybe a bit harsh on the booking. I could be completely wrong because I've not seen a replay. Um, and then on top of that, I can't. I know we got other bookings, but I can't remember any a standout. Um, so this, the fouling doesn't doesn't bother me. As I said, there's there's such thing as a good foul, and I think at times as Arsenal fans, we tend to not appreciate um, good fouls in brackets. Um, in terms of saying that the first half was positive going in nil-nil, I think for me it wasn't because it wasn't like it was a defensive masterclass. If they had been two or three nil up or, or they'd scored two or three, no one would have batted an eyelid really. They were still getting through and Czech made um, two or three very, very good saves. Um, in terms of the Ozil and Ramsey thing, I think, yeah, that Ramsey's got the better energy going late in the game, but Ozil's much more likely to control the ball and, and keep the ball um, ticking over. And if you're going to just kick it long and chase it, then you've got Danny Welbeck to do that. You don't need him and Ramsey doing it because Welbeck's 10 levels above Ramsey at doing that. He's quicker, he's stronger. Okay, he's not as good when he's got the ball. But if you're just playing kick and chase, you want your quickest guy or your strongest guy who can hold it up to do that. Um, whereas if Ozil will get the ball, he'll, he can play five-yard passes and keep it. He can play 60-yard switches and keep it. And when he's purely trying to keep the ball and not trying to slide someone through or whatnot, he's actually quite hard to dispossess. He, he turns quite a lot. I mean, we all know he cuts back on his left all the time. So I think in terms of game management, it was probably more sensible to keep Ozil there rather than just kicking it long and inviting the pressure. You give it to Ozil, you can hope you can keep it for 10, 20, 30 seconds. Whereas with Ramsey, you're just going to kick it long. He's going to chase it. It might go out for a throw on. It might go out for a goal kick. But then usually they've got the ball back again very quickly. Um, that's that's my preference. I, I always think one of the things that lost us the Champions League final in uh, uh, to Barcelona was that we took Fabregas off. And, and I know at the time people were thinking, I'll oh, bring on more pace and power. I can't remember who came on. But for me, I prefer someone that will keep the ball because it just means the attacks aren't constantly coming back at you. But it's personal preference. There's no right or wrong, I don't think. Mm, okay. Uh, Schwinn, you want to add anything on that, Mike? Not really. No. What do you think of that, Matty? Uh, yeah, I agree with the second point completely. About first point, uh, guys, I mean, sometimes I feel uh, uh, we we kind of compared our prejudice uh, for Arsenal tackling, or maybe we are so apologetic the moment I moment we do a tackle, uh, 
it's like we are we are bound to get foul or uh, you know uh, uh, foul or get a yellow card so maybe it's about body language or i don't know what is it or maybe we are too anxious but i've seen many times we are being you know unnecessarily uh, booked or unnecessarily given disadvantage by umpires where are, there are many teams who does a proper fouling i don't know what is it so yeah that was my about first point so so you think they need a bit more training in the in in the fouling department is that what you're saying? Uh, uh, more, more than fouling, I, I would say more tackling, getting tackles perfectly. Um, uh, I'm trying to that, and we, and maybe we don't have to be apologetic. I'm not saying we should injure some other players. Mm. What I mean is, you don't have to be like okay. You must have seen many times uh, Mustafi, Natural, all the like oh forgive me, forgive me or something like that. So that's something we can probably improve upon. Yeah. Okay. No. Um, okay, mate. Well, um, we'll we'll have a think about that. And you got you any add there on that, Don? No, thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. No worries. Cheers, matey. Yeah. Cheers. Okay. Um, Vish, you with us, mate? Yeah, I'm here, Tess. How are you, buddy? I uh, can't complain. Good guy. Got a heart attack watching up not pay again. <laughs> they they do that to us all, mate. Yeah. What do you got this week for us, buddy? Uh, my question is, it's kind of a conspiracy theory because is it because it seems to me that the referees are biased against Arsenal because whenever we foul somebody, we are judged harshly, we're given yellow cards. Yet, when, like you said, when uh, when Idrissi Gane did it and the rest of the Everton players do it or any other team does it to us, is just play on. Why is that so? That's one question. And the second question is, do we need to change our system again? Or do these guys need, to, uh, do the guys still need to bend into Emery's system? Because somehow uh, us playing with Ozil and Ramsey is, is just not working. Hmm. Um, Tony, I'd love to look at some stats because I'd love, like, and when I say stats, I'd like to know how many yellow cards we've actually got this year. Um, if you've got, is Tony not with us? I'm here, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know whether you, you, you know off the top of your head, have we actually had a lot of yellow cards? Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I can't remember us getting like a glut of any in one game where you where you're just getting picking them up all the time. I do think, and I, and I say this all the time, that refs often work on reputation. Like I was talking about this to someone yesterday, and, and when I was saying about Garner Gay being brilliant at uh, giving away fouls like making the right fouls but never getting booked they said oh yeah Fernandinho is like the, the master of it and I think he's just got that reputation where he gets away with it I always used to say like if Joey Barton tackled a bit hard it was like oh that's what he does so it's okay um, Victor Wanyama at Tottenham he just runs into people he doesn't actually make a tackle he just runs into people it's a foul every time but because they're never serious fouls he never gets booked and I said, I think you just get this reputation. It was like Xhaka's first year. I know he still gets booked a lot, but Xhaka's first year, when he came with that reputation, the rest were actively looking to book him. He didn't have to do anything to get a booking mm. or a red card. Both of his red, he got red two red cards that season, and both were very debatable. Um, so I think, I mean, I wouldn't say there's a bias against us, but I, I think, especially where we don't have a reputation as a tough tackling team, when someone does start tackling tough. It's like, oh, that's not what they do. It that's a bit over the top for them. It should it, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be for them. It should just be the rules. But when they go, oh, it's over the top for them. 
it kind of becomes a worse offence. And there's other teams will suffer from it. It's not just us, but we're obviously looking at looking at it from an Arsenal angle. Um, I dare say someone like Bournemouth probably feel the same thing. All teams are kind of seen as nice tackling, like nice playing teams. Probably see that same effect. Whereas someone that you'd think of, I know they're not in the Premier League anymore, but someone like Stoke, who are, have the reputation as a hard team, a tough, horrible, cold night at Stoke, they'll get away with more because it's sort of just seen like, well, that's what they do, which is nonsense. But it is what happens. And I spoke to, um, I've got a friend who was a former championship ref. He never got as high as the Premier League, but he refed in the championship. Mm. And he, I asked him, I always ask him questions like this, and I find it quite interesting to talk to him. And he always says that the refs just ref games on situation and prior knowledge, unless something extraordinary happens. Um, they worry about if, say, something... So say you foul or you tackle the other team's keeper and he's a bit 50-50 if it's a foul or not, this ref told me that 99% of refs will always give it because if he's wrong and he's let you score, that's a huge mistake. If he's just given a foul, no one's going to remember that tomorrow. Mm. Whereas if he's made a mistake and they've scored. So the refs do uh, massively referee on on situations and on uh, reputation, which, as I said, is wrong, but it's what they do. Yeah, most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just had a quick look at the yellow cards. So West Ham, they've obviously got uh, their top it with 20 yellow cards so far. Uh, Watford, 13. Brighton, 12. Leicester, 11. Southampton, 11. Arsenal, Burnley, 11. Um, so, you know, we're sitting in six on, on yellow cards. Um, I mean, that's less in, in six games. So that's less than two yeah. a game, which is, which is, is low. Yeah. Um, and as I said, I mean, you guys can correct me because you would have seen replays and better angles. Was Torreira as a booking yesterday? Should it have been? Sure. The, f- the first one? The one he got booked for. The one he got booked for in early. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's definitely a booking. I think uh, that we have a question on this later as well, but the one against Dina was absolutely never a booking. But the one on Sigurdsson, yeah, I, I'd probably give that as a yellow. I mean, it, the, the thing with that is that, as you said, right, Tony, it's a lot to do with the situation and every now and then the referee will decide against it just because it's that early in the game or it's their first challenge and maybe John Moss gives it but Andre Mariner doesn't uh, so it, it's it's a tough one but uh, I, I'd have to raise my hand and say I, I'd give that as a yellow I, I will also add that for me I said it I, I was in club level yesterday and you get a free program which I never buy but I got a program and it said John on the front page it said John Moss or the back page it said John Moss is a referee and I just started moaning instantly because I don't know if it is his fitness. Obviously, he doesn't look very fit. But he looks for every opportunity to break the game up. And I, I, I personally think it's because he's not fit enough to run around the whole time. So he breaks it up at all, all times. And if he's breaking the game up by giving fouls and all, all this so often, at some point he's eventually going to have to start booking people because there's going to be questions asked. You've given 20 fouls and no one's been booked. What's going on? And for me, it's because most of the time they aren't fouls or they don't need to be given as fouls. But he wants to break the game up. I find he's a horrible ref to try and get a rhythm under because he literally just blows a whistle whenever he can. Mm. Yeah, look, there was only I'm just I think there was well there was the three three yellow cards in the whole game yesterday, but there's a few free kicks there. I remember one of Granite's he had a he went and pulled him over and had a little talk to me, but he he didn't give that as yellow. So he No, won. the two bookings, I mean Socrates was definitely a booking. Yeah. And then Torreira, as I said, was the one I was a bit unsure of. Yeah. Definitely definitely bookings for me. What was the second question, Vish? Did we answer that? No, I didn't. Uh, 
the structure. Yeah, well, do you think the guys will need to bed into Emery's system or do we need to change certain personnel or remove personnel? Like either we keep Ramsey and take out Ozil or keep Ozil and remove Ramsey. Because coming up against Watford and we know they can score. They, I mean, they're sitting, what, fourth in the league right now? So what do you think our chances are going to be against them? Go with you, Schwinn. That'll be a tough game. I mean, from what I've seen of Watford, which has been just a couple of games, and they've done pretty well so far in the season looking at the table. I think they're a very physical side. And um, again, you know, hardworking, hardrunning. We need to be at our A game that day in terms of creativity because, you know, we like to work around players instead of taking them on. And I can see us struggling that day if, if, you know, things carry on the way they did, especially in the first half yesterday. Uh, I think th- there has to be a change. Uh, you know, Rams- when you have three attacking players, Ramsey, Mesut Ozil, and Aubameyang, all playing out of their favorite positions, you know, you will struggle. And you might get the odd goal like yesterday. I mean, let- let's face it, uh, other than Lacazette's goal, uh, Aubameyang's goal should have been disallowed. And Lacazette's goal, you cannot rely on a goal like Lacazette scored every week because, you know, what are the odds of us being able to pick one out into the top corner? So I, I think we struggled yesterday, and of course the goals take a lot of pressure off. But uh, I think there'll be heavy rotation this week uh, for Brentford, and maybe some work done on the training ground. But that's the thing—you know—we don't see any change coming coming into this team so far. Emery st- seems pretty uh, solid and uh, you know robust with this with this selection. So I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to see any change. But as we've spoken about on this podcast, we'd all love to see change. Just touching on the Watford game, I watched the Fulham Watford. Watford weren't exactly that great in the second half, so I don't know, you know, whether they're coming back down to earth a little bit, who knows. But um, they also lost the man United too, didn't they? Last week, I think so. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 2 1 or something it was. So, So, you know, like, okay, they're a dangerous team, but I'd like to think we've got them covered. And they'll have something, something you know, uh, under their bellies that day, a fire lit, just because it's Arsenal. You know, Troy Deeney is, of course, the face of that club. Uh, he likes to uh, tug at our strings a bit, and it's uh, it's sort of like a rivalry, um, not in terms of stature, of course, but in the last couple of years, there's a bit of history there. Yeah, so it, it'll got, be it'll be one of those games. I got sent a fucking custard pass on that one. Fucking some poor cunt says, "Oh yeah, throw Deeney in your fantasy league." Yeah, thanks, cunt. Um, okay, Vish, that, thanks for your question, buddy. I hope we answered it, and I'll, we might catch you next week, eh? All right, cool. Thanks, guys. Good on you, buddy. Thanks, mate. And you two can uh, talk to us on each and every week like uh, Vish and Maddie have done, and you can follow, uh, find our bio in at clockend underscore talk and uh, jump on Skype and um, have a yak to the boys. Yeah, so thank you to our live callers. Uh, right, boys, let's get into some questions. We've got a few there, so we'll start with... Uh... Oh, fuck me. Utes, Utes Cash? Is that his swing? Yeah, Utes Cash. definitely put him first on purpose. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> 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 um, is it Utes Cash? Utes Cash. Utes Cash. There you go. Wow, that's that's impressive. I'll practice that. I've been, been practicing up on my... Um, Pronunciation, mate. 
It's still AFC Quickstoat, though. I, I mean, I, I've corrected you and told you it's Coyote, but every time he sends in a question, oh, it's still it? AFC oh, Quickstoat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coyote. Yeah, that's that's it. I remember that. You say this every week and then call him yeah. Quickstop. I'll, I'll forget. By the, by the time we finish this podcast, I'll forget who that bloke even is. No disrespect to that listener, but I just, <laughs> I just like fucking, I got no idea. Um, okay, will a Wobie be effective on the right? If not a Wobie, then Mickey on the right may be a better option. Then to play Urzel and Ramsey together, our right wing was on fire in the Chelsea game, Tony. Um, there, there, there's two sides to this. Wobie has never been able to play on the right. Uh, I don't know what it is. He just never looked comfortable there. He's he's a million times better on the left. Um, even when he's been awful, he's been less awful on the right. Um, in terms of Mickey, I, I kind of think he failed an audition. He was poor defensively. It, like you say, the right wing was on fire against Chelsea, and it was attacking wise. But defensively, two two of the goals conceded were directly from the right, and one of them was Mickey's fault in a big big way. Um, I remember saying at the time I, I thought his first half hour of that game was one of the worst individual performances I've seen from an Arsenal player in a long time and then in the next eight minutes he pops up gets a goal and assist and sort of always forgiven but it obviously wasn't forgotten because he's pretty much dropped out of the team since then um, he does I, I would probably argue he does less defensively than Ozil in, a, in an ideal world I, I would probably have Ozil 10 Mickey, Mickey Wright but the defensive side of things, although Hector bombs on and he'll get in behind their defence, it leaves him with absolutely no protection. It'll be something worth trying now Torreira's uh, got his place in the team because maybe he'll cover that gap. But there's no way they can do what they've done against Chelsea with them too because it was just every time Chelsea got the ball, there to do was kick it over to their left side of the pitch and they was in. Mm. Um, Mickey just completely neglects his defensive duties, which I don't know if it's even a criticism because he's played at 10 a lot of his career and... and and probably not had to defend, but he won't get away with doing that under Emery. Mm. Um, he so made a good I'm, point though to, with Torreira there. Like uh, he, you know, he's he's obviously there, and he might be able to help him out, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's something that's worth trying. But at what point do you try it? Do you where do you take the risk? Yeah, because look, no games are given at the moment. We're not playing well enough to turn up and think we're automatically going to win against anyone, apart from sort of the Europa League or, or, or Brentford if we play a first team but you don't want to play a first team in them games mm. so it's difficult to, to try it and also I may be wrong because he may have been subbed off by then but uh, Torreira was on the pitch when Chelsea got their third and I believe Mickey was still on the right I may be wrong I can't remember that far back so it could be seen as if, if I am right and they were and Mickey was still on the right it could be seen as oh they were both on the pitch and it still didn't work yeah, you, you never know, but, but for me, you can't you can't play Mickey on the right um, just because of his defensive or well, lack of defensive duties. Really, um, it's a difficult one because look, all of none of us agree with Ramsey playing at ten, and we'd all have Özil there if we could. But um, the right is a huge problem because for me, I remember I said this again after the Chelsea game or the first half hour of the Chelsea game. I wouldn't be surprised if Danny Welbeck gets a run there. Because you know he's going to do his defensive job. He'll he'll slow you down football-wise, but if you want to press, he's perfect. If you need to go long and you're in trouble, he's perfect. When we do have to go long from goal kicks, we've got someone to aim at. Um, and, and, and as I said, he'll do his defensive duties. The, the issue is there'll be no link-up with Bellerin because Danny Welbeck can't pass a football. 
there's I think for all of the potential candidates there's there's positives but there's also very big negatives yeah. and, and that's the issue we're dealing with but that's our own fault because we all knew in the summer we needed a winger and, and no one bothered to address that issue so we've only got ourselves to blame mm. or they've only got themselves to blame yeah exactly um Emery said he, you know, there's still plenty of work to be done, so maybe we might, I don't think it'll happen, but maybe, who knows, we might see a formation change, because somehow, I think you've got to fit Ramsey in the team, but the way it's happening, it's it's not that good, so, I don't know, I don't know what formation you'd even have it, though. Uh, I mean, I do, but I've been banging on about it for the last month, and me saying it again ain't going to change anything, so. Yeah. Um, okay, um, so I probably forgot about that last month. <laughs> he goes on, a uh, simple question, which midfielder is better? Uh, Schwinn, well, it's no point Schwinn answering, it's no point me answering, because he's going Lucas, Granite, Ozil, Gwenduzi, oh no, he's, uh, so Lucas, Granite, Ozil, Gwenduzi, Granite or Ramsey, so go Schwinn. A simple question: Which midfielder midfield is better out of them two? It's not really a simple question, though, is it? I think it's it's very nuanced, and you have to sort of see what what the structure will be if you deploy these these two pairs. I mean, if I had to choose between these two, I'd probably choose Lucas Granit and Mesut. I think it, it provides a bit more dynamism uh, with Mesut Özil in there. You have the forward passing of, of Granit, which is of course common to both pairs. But then you have uh, someone like Lucas Torreira who brings in that defensive solidity. So that would be my pair. Yeah, well, looking at the other one, the Ramsey'd be at ten, I suppose, would it? Yeah, see, that, that's what I think it boils down to. Do you play a double pivot with a ten, or do you play a, a V-shaped mid- midfield with two interior players? I would imagine uh, if it's the fir- the first uh, group is a, a double pivot with Mesut less ten. And a V-shaped midfield for the second one, where Shaka sits back and Gwendozi and Ramsey are the interior midfielders. That's what I would imagine when I look at these names. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Gator Guna Tony. I'm not tech. I'm, I'm not a tactician. Fucking tact. What's he saying? Tech. Tactician. I'm not even reading it, and I know he's saying tactician. I'm not a tactician, but I noticed during several times in the game, the middle of the pitch was absent. Any players, everyone was running at the goal or sitting back in defence. How are we supposed to build up from the back? Even the TV announcer was pointing it out. I I think it's one of the issues with Ramsey, and I'm actually not blaming him for this. I... If it was this time last year, I'd have been blaming Ramsey for this. I think it's one of the issues with Ramsey being so high up, but he's clearly supposed to be there because he keeps doing it and nothing's changing. In the in the years gone by, I'd have said I'd have blamed Ramsey for emptying the midfield, but now it's clearly an instruction of his that uh, he's given to stay high up. But I think that is one of the issues. The defenders get the ball. They've got they've got two options now with Xhaka and Torreira there, which is helpful. But then there is a huge gap, and you end up just spraying it wide. Um, what it does allow is if we build up from centre-backs to the centre midfielders in, in theory it means the full-backs have got time to press on and it gives you another option but it does leave there, there is a huge gap it's, it's it's a 4-2-3-1 we're playing but it's very there's no what I'd call level midfielders there's defensive midfielders and attacking midfielders and, and there's no link at all uh, As I, for me in an ideal world Ramsey would drop a little bit deeper and be the link but as I said, I'm not blaming him because it must be something they're telling him to do. 
because he's not it's not once it's happened and he's not two or three yards too high he's 25 yards higher or 20 yards higher than what most of us would expect so I don't see how I can criticize him when it it's something they've obviously told him to do but it is it is an issue he's right there is a huge gap there but it must be for some reason they I don't know if I don't know like when Guardiola first come in if people remember that he got the ball into midfield and then he used his center, uh, his fullback sorry, to tuck in and they almost played like centre midfielders. It's something he'd done a lot at Bayern with Alaba and um, Philip Lahm as well. And then he came in at City and he tried to do it with Sanya and Clichy and Kolarov and it looked horrible. Um, but then, then he started moving uh, centre midfielders to left-back. They all started playing there. Um, and I don't know if that's something that Emery's trying to get us to do, whereas the centre-backs will give it to the centre midfielders and then the 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 fullbacks will create the extra men by either tucking in or one tucking in and one staying wide and giving you extra options and closing that gap where there is no midfielder. I don't know if that's something he's trying to do, but there, there is clear for everyone to see there is a huge gap there, and for me it's too big. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just before the international break, we talked about our um, uh, Emery, you know, what rating we give him. I'll tell you what, he's, he's impressed. He's impressing. Four wins in a row. I'm happy. I'm happy with him the way he's going. Like anybody who criticises, I mean, too much. You, you know, you go and you look at. I think he's. I think he's improved this Arsenal team. And I know you can't. You can't compare to to, to Wenger, but but I don't know if we all expected if you expected this or not. I mean, I think if I look at the four games we've won, I expected us to win them. And if I look at the two we lost, I probably expected us to lose them. If I'm honest. Yeah. So, for me, it's it's par for the course. Uh, it's definitely not. There's no negative. Well, I mean, there's some negatives, but it's not a negative overall thought on him. But I'm not glowingly positive. What I will say is I'm happy that we're winning when we're still clearly way short of where he wants us to be. So if you can win while you're learning, it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Um, hack on Schwinn. Uh, he says it's so many things about the game, this game, but it's still the same. You have been talking about before. Long, long way to go. Some of it, it's not so fucking hard to sort out. <laughs> Emery knew so much of every player. He must must know how to improve them, at least a bit. Agree. Um, he, he he goes on. Did you notice uh, that that uh, Digny tried to send Torreira off? A second yellow. Even Marco Silva was screaming with the fingers in the air. Tuera didn't even touch him, almost lost the plot and smashed my TV. Disgusting. <laughs> I was pretty similar at that point myself, actually, because Tuera didn't catch him at all. If anything, Dinho was on top of Tuera's foot because Tuera's foot has already had already landed there and there was no contact. So, you know, there's a bit of the Barcelona in there going on, right? He spent a year there, but he's learned some of the, the dark arts. Uh, in terms of the sorting out comment, you know, I mean, it makes me it makes me feel that he's not trying to sort this out. You know, he's found what he seems to be, you know, deems to be the right uh, or his way of playing, and he's going to let these players figure it out by by playing it every week, uh, drill it in them, and uh, during during the weekend, and see what comes of it in the weekend. I don't I don't think it's going to change a whole lot from this. Of course, Ramsey's contract situation is is something that's lingering in the shadows, and if he does indeed leave, then we will see some switch around. But you know, it, it's clear that he's very detail oriented. The players have said it themselves, 
and you know he he wants improvement but i don't i don't think it's a case of sorting out i think this is it this is how we're going to play uh there will be some rotation depending on what fixtures we have in the near future but uh on on a given weekend if we have our full squad available and if it's an important game this is this is the lineup and and i think a lot of a lot of fans expected you know that high press high intensity game but that's that's not quite i think what he's going for I think he's going for a slightly different model than what we've seen, you know, under under Jurgen Klopp or, or, or Pep Guardiola. And only time will tell what exactly he wants to achieve with this team uh, tactically. Uh, to me, it's still an enigma. I see a lot of Arsene Wenger's team in in this team uh, still. Not a lot has changed, if I'm honest. And you know, Tony's spoken about this before. And yes, we're winning while we're learning, and I'm very happy about that. But I haven't really seen this become Emery's team. I know it's very early, but you know, even the way we play out from the back, even the small things we do, I haven't really seen a whole lot of change. I mean, Tez, you just spoke about some of the improvement. Uh, I was wondering if there's a couple of items you wanted to list out that, that you thought we were doing a bit different than what we did in the, the years past. Hmm. Don't know. Um, because this playing out of the back thing, it's it's always been there, but for some reason the press are talking it up a lot. This this playing out of the back, so you know, he, and and Czech turn he, he went he went different, you know, and and went long yesterday as well. So he wasn't always playing out from the back. Um, if anything, I I think we're a bit more creative under Wanker. I don't, you know, with the uh, the, the top three, you know, Ozil, Lacazette, um, Ramsey. I, I think we're a little bit more creative and and move the ball quicker than we are now. That so I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. To be honest, I mean, surely that's got to be a, a a positive for for Arsene and and hence well, well, a negative for Emery, right? I don't know what Emery's trying to trying to do there though. Like he might want it to be as quick. He might want it to be as creative. Um, you know, and, and free-flowing. He might want it to be more structural. I don't know. I mean, I guess a spin on that would be that we, you know, in the years past, especially last year, we, we struggled to finish a lot of times, particularly again against the deep defences. I think this year, we at least so far, we've, we've been able to finish chances other than the City game and, of course, the Chelsea game, which was an anomaly because we were missing four-yard, five-yard attempts. Uh, we've been able to get our chances and, and finish them. Uh, Lacazette, of course, scored a couple of bangers, but we've found the back of the net. And we struggled with that uh, last season, uh, especially when we were away from home. So I guess that's a positive. But, I mean, when you have the players we have, I don't really think you, you want to stifle their creativity. You know, uh, but when, when a defense is being stubborn, then the only way to beat them down is to be quick with your movement. And we saw a glimpse of that when Nacho got that, that, that chance yesterday because we moved the ball real quick. So I don't, wanna, I don't think Emery is really going for quote-unquote structure over fluidity. But as you were speaking, I thought that you know, we have been able to bury our chances more, so maybe that's a positive. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I just, um, and keep in mind, we didn't have a striker for a good... You know, you know, well, for a long time, did he? Like we, we, I think we, what Walcott was there, Giroud. There wasn't that 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 Lacazette or Abemiang like we've got now. So, and just touching on, you know, your finishes. But 
Yeah, I don't know what it is. It was just the football, and it's not a negative by any means, but the football that we used to watch and, and that Wenger used to, or the Wenger ball, you can call it, I suppose, but it was just unbelievable. Like the, how it, it was just fast flowing, creative, um, and there'd be goals coming out of, you know, basically nothing. And I just haven't seen that under Emery. And I said, I don't know if he, if it is a, if he is restricting a little bit or, or wanting. But then again, you see Bellerin running up like a fucking headless chook and crossing the ball in. So uh, I don't know. That's yeah, he's probably always done that, I suppose. But yeah. yeah. Tony, you wanna you wanna come in on that and and give your two cents. Um, I do think it's more controlled possession over fluidity. Um, I, I think Arsenal, a lot of what they've done, and, and I've seen players that have played against us comment on it, it was very hard to stop because it was so off the cuff. They had all of the players that were so used to playing one and two touch football that it was all natural to them. So it wasn't like set routines and it makes it very hard to defend against someone who's not making it up as they go along, but I can't think of a better way to to play, they're just playing the pass they see rather than playing in systems. Whereas I think now we're a lot more structured. Um, again, not a positive or a negative. I think it's probably a bit easier to defend against. But if you're looking after the ball for all that time, you're also less likely to concede. I don't feel we give the ball away uh, as cheaply as often as we we have done in previous years. Um, I think we are massively hampered by the lack of wingers because teams are letting us have it out wide I mean yesterday we got away with it a bit because as I said earlier Walcott didn't really want to defend so we ended up with uh, I mean most of the time one on one with Aubameyang on John Joe Kenny who let's be honest isn't the best one of my friends played with him in the lower leagues a few years ago and said he will never be a premiership footballer but then I've got family members that support um, Everton and say they've improved quite a lot but I mean he's never going to be up to Aubameyang standards but then most of the time it was two on one or three on one anyway because um, Ramsey was drifting across there so we, we got away with it a bit on the wings yesterday but in general teams are letting us go wide knowing that we've got no threat there um, especially if it's a Bamiyan wide because Lacazette tends to not be in the box which means we've got even if we do get it wide we can't really cross it and we're going to have to pull it back and you will still score a certain amount of goals like that like Ozil's against Newcastle but in general it's a lot it's a lot less threatening um, but we're what we're not even two months into in, in terms of game time. I know he's been there since what June the, July the first, in practical terms. But in terms of game time, we're less. We're not. We're not even ten games in. So it's it's understandable that it, he's not got it completely flowing yet. Uh, it will be interesting to see how he changes it because I think the, the way we're attacking at the moment, teams will figure it out very quickly. Oh, then he said there's still plenty of more work to do. So. Yeah. One thing I do find interesting, though, and, and uh, I, I read a piece on it, I think it was this morning, um, about he, I mean, I spoke last week and it was, and now he's just made me out to be a liar, that he's really, like, of the two centre midfielders, especially when uh, Granite and Torreira play together, it's almost like that Granite plays on the left and Torreira plays on the right, and it's very unusual to see that with centre midfielders. They're usually sort of wherever the danger is. But he, he's clearly decided that they have uh, key roles in what side of the pitch they look after. And that's another thing that when I know a lot of people are going to say they want granite dropped at times, whether they're saying it now or they say it in a couple of weeks or they said it a couple of weeks ago. But if you split your centre midfielders into left and right, which is what he seems to be doing, 
no one else is going to play on the left ahead of him. Yeah, no, no chance. No, no chance anybody will tell you over the legend. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to go in about that article that you shared. No, no, I just read it on that article and I found it interesting. So I, started, I looked at the... Because uh, I, I still haven't read it yet. So, yeah. I looked on the heat map from yesterday when I read it as well and, and Granite's work was... The vast majority of it was on the, like towards the left centre, so to speak. Yeah. Torreira's was a bit more all over the place, but it was more on the right side than, than anywhere else. But Granite was clearly on the left side of, of the centre midfield, so to speak, or the, whatever, the holding oh. midfielders. Um, and as I said, if you're looking at how they're going to change that. If Granite is to come out, I mean, Ramsey's obviously going to play a lot further forward and Rome's kind of all over the pitch and you want him to do that with his energy. Guendouzi, I can't really see sticking to the left. So it does leave you with with Xhaka as probably the only real first-team option for that left side of the pitch. Mm. Um, just, oh, well, I'll go into RC follow. He, said, he just goes in and says, left side attacks... Area most prominent by us, with the heat map showing uh, Granite and Montreal close together. Do you think there was too much focus in this area, or is this the easiest area for us to bring the ball forward? It didn't say it didn't seem to deliver direct scoring chances. Though. Well, I mean, yesterday it worked. I thought it worked quite well. They were getting in behind Kenny almost at will. As I said, the issue is always going to come when you're crossing the ball and there's no one in there, or in all fairness to Lacazette, he does challenge well, but if they've got Keane and Zuma in there as centre-back and you've got Lacazette at five foot seven, you're probably unlikely to get anywhere from it. But I thought in terms of working down the left, we did build quite well yesterday. And I mean, one of the goal came not directly down the left wing, but it came from the left side of the pitch in terms of Lacazette's goal. Uh, the save that, that um, Pickford made from Monreal was obviously it's your left-back having a shot. So... I know the, the attack came down the right, but you're getting your players overloading the back post at the left. I, I think usually we're predominantly a, a team that attacks on the right, but yesterday the opportunity presented itself to, to attack on the left because Richarlison done his defensive work yeah. and, and Walcott didn't, basically, and Kenny is a lot less experienced than Luca Digne, So, mm. Mm. OK. Uh, Brad says, Schwen, should we just accept that we are a second-half team at the moment? Can't think of a game where we played well in the first half. Uh, tough to argue with that. Uh, you know, the, the Chelsea game, of course, comes to mind where we created a lot of chances. But, you know, instead of calling us a second-half team, I want to call us adaptable. You know, look at it. It, look at it as glass half full. We've we've been able to change things around, and the manager hasn't really held himself back from from making changes at halftime or you know early into the second half. And you know I I, I want to see that. I want to see some some reaction to things not working out. You know I tweeted after the game yesterday that not everything goes as you you plan for, and and how you respond to that, how you cope with that, is, is something that we've been accused of of not having in the past. So I guess that's, again, a, a big improvement under Emery that, that we've been able to switch things around, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's because of a stalemate we've been encountering or, or not been able to score or, or struggling defensively. We, we've acted and, and changed things. So, yes, we are a second-half team, but, but we're winning because of being that. So I guess it's a bit more positive than, you know, than a negative. 
I couldn't agree more. Um, just, just, to, just to add to that, we've not been, we've not been in a leading position at half time in any game apart from Europa League, which barely counts. Mm. Um, so there is something to worry about. And look, there's a flip side to what Schwinn just said. You could say we're adaptable and we've changed things and it's worked, or you could say he's got it wrong from the start in every single game. So, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying yeah. if you're going to go positive, you have to bring up the negative as well. Yeah, yeah. And you'll never know. Yeah. yeah. Um, Re Ramsey, uh, so Savish, African Gooner, Jove82, RC Fella, and Vish, they've all, all asked some questions on Ramsey. Uh, is Ramsey still worth as a reason to ship off Urzel down the flanks in a position he does not prefer? Tony? Look, for me, he never was. But my opinion counts for very little. Almost nothing. Well, actually, no, it counts for absolutely nothing. Um, so, look, for me, and people... Look, for me, if you have Meza Ozil, and I, I don't really care if people rate him or not, yep. you play him 10. Like, there's just no... It doesn't really matter who else you've got in your squad. If you have Meza Ozil, the guy plays at 10. It's as simple as that. So... Even if Ramsey was performing well, I'd probably say that. Because you know that's where you're going to get the best out of Ozil. And I've always said that if Ozil performs, Arsenal perform. They, Arsenal can perform well without Ozil, but it's very where that Ozil plays well and the rest of the team don't because of his natural style. So for me, Ramsey's never been worth playing at a 10 in favour of Ozil. And there, there's no one else. When people say Mkhitaryan, Iwobi, blah, blah, blah. Uh, a couple of last season, people may have even said Jack, and everyone knows how big a fan of Jack I was. But no, if you, for me, if you have Ozil, he plays at ten. It, that that simple. And I, I mean, I'd be surprised if many people disagree with that, but there'd probably be loads. Mm, okay. Um, just on Ramsey's though, and and I'll ask you the same question, Schwinn. So obviously, contract negotiations are coming up, and this is a tough one because. He's hard to fit in the team at the moment. So do you do you prefer he signs a contract or do you prefer we get, let's say, 15 to 20 million in January and we look at buying a right winger? Signs a contract because you'd get 50 million from him in the summer at least. So you want, to, you want him to sign and then you'll sell him in the summer? No, not... Um, no, but if you are going to sell him, surely you'd want him to sign and then sell him for double, well, treble. Well, if he doesn't, time. if he doesn't sign, though. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's we okay. If, he's, if yeah. he says he's not going to sign, I'd get rid of him in January because I don't think he's particularly adding anything as a ten. And again, that's not his fault because he's being told to play there. But if he doesn't sign, you have to get rid of him in January. The same way we had to get rid of Alexis, and would have said the same about Özil, but they obviously knew he was signing. Mm-hmm. They didn't announce it the day after, but they obviously knew what was going on. Um, I sit in the same position with Danny Welbeck, whose contract runs out in the summer. I look, I know a lot of people don't rate him, but I would tie Danny Welbeck down and get him to sign a new deal. But if he doesn't, he has to go in January. Mm-hmm. Get something for him. Yeah, there's no, there's no point keeping like letting these guys go for free. Um, but with Ramsey, as I said, I think that he's a useful addition in the squad. I think in the right system, he's a brilliant player. I just don't think ten will ever be for him. And I know people sometimes argue he plays it for Wales. But he doesn't really because they, especially, I mean, people base that on their Euros where they they done exceptional and Ramsey had a great tournament. But they pretty much parked the bus against most teams. And I don't mean that in a negative way. But then they use Ramsey's energy to defend and both attack. He wasn't a 10 in the kind of 10 he's playing at Arsenal where he's the highest player up the pitch at all times. They played with 
They played most of the men behind the ball, and they, they played a big strike, albeit Robson Carno or Vokes. They played long to him. He hold it, held it up. And then you had um, Bale and Ramsey using their athleticism to, to bridge the gap and, and come in and uh, make the attacking play. It wasn't like the kind of 10 where he's always ahead of the ball. So for me, Ramsey has never, ever, ever been a 10. I don't count what he done with Wales as a 10 because he wasn't. He wore number 10. It's different. Um, <laughs> he wore number 10. <laughs> he did. Yeah, no, that was, uh, <laughs> that's just why you said it. Though. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so, so for me, I just as I said, I'm not, it's not a criticism of Ramsey. I don't think he can play as a 10. I don't think it's ever worked whenever it's played for anyone. Um, but can't blame him because yep. it's not his choice. Yeah, okay. Um, do, 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 Schwinn on. I'll continue this Ramsey thing. RC fella on Ramsey. During the game, I found myself being constantly annoyed with Ramsey. I felt that he had a poor game, but later realised he picked up two assists. Lovely turn and pass to the first goal. We can't be too disappointed with that. Do you guys also feel equally torn about this game? Yeah, I do. I do. I do feel very torn because you know, as as we discussed in the, in the at the top of the show, that he's he's capable of so much more than that. You know, his his energy is lacking from the team, and and as Tony pointed out, you know, there's 25, 30 yards between between our attackers and our our, our deep playing midfielders. And if there's someone who can sort of cover a, a major portion of that area, it's Aaron Ramsey. He can be that link-up play, player who, who even if he's central and Mesut Ozil is out on the right, he can drop a bit deeper and, and, and get the ball moving. But you know, more often than not, it's Lacazette who's dropping deeper and, and facilitating that link-up play. Look, I'm a very big Aaron Ramsey fan. Very, very big Aaron Ramsey fan. But we're not getting the best out of him. And he might get that assist or, or the, even a, you know, two assists like he did yesterday, but... We all know he didn't really have the best of games to his ability. You know, Tony said that he he thought he had a decent game. For me, it was not quite quite brilliant. You know, we all, as I said, we all know he's better. Of, he's capable of much better. And when when we ha- have these visible issues in our midfield, we don't have to look elsewhere because we have the player in our team to facilitate that. But it, it's a bit perplexing as to why we're not doing that. And you know, it, it is a long term ploy, I guess, but. Do you expect a manager to change things around in the short term to sort of change his 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 philosophy and 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 adapt, or do you expect him to to stay rigid and and let the team figure it out over a period of time? I guess it's it's a difference in approaches uh, in terms of the ideology. For me, I want to see a bit more uh, flexibility with with the manager, and you really haven't seen any of it so far. I'm not I'm not trying to bash Emery, but I think a lot of fans feel this way and. They're not saying it right now because they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to be elsewhere as as being negative or as being pessimists. Uh, I've always been an Arsene Wenger fan, so people might accuse me of still being in Arsene knows best. It's none of that. It's just simple things that you see in every game that remain common throughout the last three four games. Um, here's a classic because we've we've asked when prior to doing our questions, we've asked when to filter our questions. So anyway, Tony, I've got one for you. Rudren, <laughs> Granite, in addition to Torreira, is a luxury when we have Ramsey, who's the best in clearly the centre mid, not as a not as a number ten. Will Ramsey be the better partner for Torreira in the midfield? Um, 
I personally don't think Ramsey can play in a two unless... Well, yeah, no, Ramsey can play in a two, but he'd have to adapt his style. And I don't think they're going to test that um, because you're too much of a risk. You'd literally be leaving Torreira to do all the defensive work. Um, we, We commented time and time again last year about how much Ramsey emptied the midfield and left whoever he was playing with isolated, be it Coughlin at the start of the year, uh, El Nenny at times, or, or Granite most of the time. Ramsey is capable of doing that discipline role, but he seems to only want to do it for two or three games, and then he goes back to his need to score goals. Um, look, for me, I've said this so many times, I would have all three of them playing, and then it allows Ramsey to go and do what he wants, but he'll still have that base behind him, um, and you could still arguably get Ozil win at 10 if you've done that. Um, you may sacrifice a little bit of width, but then Ramsey, as we saw yesterday, drifted out to the left a hell of a lot. Ozil's more than capable of drifting out to the right. I mean, he's obviously been playing on the right. Uh, I don't think Ramsey in a two is the answer. I think he gives you what you need attacking-wise, but it, it kills you defensively. And, and more importantly than what I think, Emery is clearly going to play with two in front of the back four. So whether... I, I know Rodrigo's coming at this from a point of view where he doesn't rate Xhaka, and that's fair enough. That's... A lot of people have that opinion, but it kind of doesn't matter because Emery is going to play two in front of that back back four, and Ramsey you would never class as someone who sits in front of the back four. So then, if this argument was about Xhaka or Guendouzi, then it probably more fit in for what Emery wants to play because, as I said, I, I don't think Ramsey's ever going to play in that two under Emery. Mm. Um, okay, hopefully that's all the Ramsey questions. He's <laughs> fucking... Yeah, over Ramsey this week. There's lots of Ramsey. I wonder why that is. Well, it's just, look, it's clearly playing out of position and, and it, it's not working. And we've moaned about Torreira not coming in over the last few weeks and now he's come in, so we can't really moan about that anymore. There's been a lot of moaning about Czech <laughs> that you can't possibly moan about him after yesterday. <laughs> so it's kind of like what's left. Yeah. And it, but it's a, valid, it's a valid point because it clearly isn't working with him there. I don't think people are picking up an argument for argument's sake, yeah. but all of the other valid arguments, and they've all been valid arguments, but all of the other valid arguments we've had kind of yesterday made them, they, it counteracted them itself, apart from the Ramsey one. So if there are questions to be asked, that that is the one to be asked, really. Mm-hmm. Our listeners are better than that anyway. No, as I said, I think that they're, they're valid questions. Look, if, if someone came on and said after yesterday, oh, but I still want Leno to start, you kind of think, give it a rest. Like, whether you want that or not, after yesterday's game, you can't I, come out of that game and go, yeah, but if it was Leno. Like, Tony, can I, ask, <laughs> can I ask the next question? <laughs> <laughs> should, I edit, should I edit that out? <laughs> no, that's really good. I think you should throw it to Tony as well. Is there actually a question on that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the very next one, mate. Oh, so, Peter Bates says, do you guys think we should... <laughs> we should... Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Uh, do you guys think we should preserve with uh, with Czech after yesterday's result or take a closer look at Leno as goalkeeper or stick with the Europa and cut the in with the Europa League size for him to gain experience, Tony. I have absolutely no opinion on this, so Shrin, would you... <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think it's. Uh, I think Tony pretty much implicitly covered this. Uh, look, there's no way you can be mad at Czech after yesterday's game. Even before that, you know, Lena had a had a decent game uh, as we covered after the Europa League. And and to Czech's credit, I thought yesterday his distribution was a bit better too, especially with his right foot. Uh, kept us in the game. Kept a clean sheet. Uh, we could have you know lost the game very easily in the first half. So for me, you know, as long as you don't come up with three, four, five games where you've really struggled, especially as the goalkeeper. It's it's different than any other position on the field uh, because taking the goalkeeper out is is quite a psychological blow for the fellow. So uh, there's no reason for me to for Czech to be taken out. I think he's a bit more vocal as well, which I, I really enjoyed uh, setting up the defense and set pieces. And and he's a class act. Uh, you know, looked looked after Michael Keane after that a bit of a tussle, went and checked up on Richarlison. I mean, that's captain material. You know, you want to lead with class. That's what our club is all about. And when you're putting in a performance like you did yesterday, there's no question that he should retain his spot. Yeah, uh, probably nothing wrong with your question, mate. Just the timing was just beautiful. <laughs> just as Tony. I'll take credit for that. <laughs> um, look, but in, in saying that, though, Schwinn, we just thought we, a whole three of us gave check the man of the match yesterday. So I would never take the bloke we just gave man of the match out um, of gold to replace Elena. Yes, I know people are calling for it, but. Czech's been very good. Czech's been very good in goals. So, I I've been saying that since last year, my friend. I, oh fuck it. <laughs> you know it. You, you know, I was the only one on here, to my credit, who who said he's going to retain his spot. Let's be fair. You guys give me a lot of shit for fence sitting. Fucking hell. Thanks for your question, Peter. <laughs> uh, we never praise Schwinn. MAA Gunner, what was the point in loading out Chambers, Tony? Good, good question. Um, I mean, I think he wanted a squad with four uh, centre-backs. Obviously, holding uh, Socrates, Mavropanos and, and Mustafi. He felt he had, he had, so he had to loan someone out. I think we knew that from pretty much the start of pre-season. And he obviously felt that Chambers was the one that he either didn't need or would uh, get the most out of being going on loan. So I guess that was the reason. I don't think you need five. I think it's overkill. I do think it was silly playing Socrates in, mid- in midweek, uh, especially playing him on the right. I just thought it was weird. I'm not saying that contributed to his injury in any way. I don't even actually know what's wrong with him. But um, I, I think, obviously, at the moment, I, I believe Mavropanos is carrying a knock. So that is the issue when you have four, only have four, that if one guy's injured, someone has to play all the time, pretty much. Um but if Chambers was there, then you've got someone, you'd have five. So there'd be, just be someone that never, ever plays and doesn't get any minutes. And when these guys are sort of on the money they're on or looking for the career path they are, you don't want someone like Chambers on 60-odd grand a week sitting there literally not playing a minute. Mm-hmm. And Mavropanos would be pretty cheap, I suppose. Yeah, um, it, he he was the one, he'd the one you think would probably be left out if there was five. But... Yeah. And where does he get his development? He's only going to develop through playing. And maybe he thought if he loaned Mavropanos out, he wouldn't get the amount of minutes that he probably needed. Uh, and if he's not going to get the minutes you need him to get, you might as well train him yourself rather than having him train elsewhere and not get minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas he obviously fought with Chambers. If he loaned him out, he would still get game time, which I, I imagine is true. Um, I was surprised it wasn't holding, to be honest. I, I thought from the moment holding signed his new contract that he'd be going out on loan this year. 
But I always expected one of them to go out on there. Mm-hmm. Oh, he may have a partner. He'll get his chance. Yeah, I mean, I think he would have played the other day, and and he uh, he would have played on Thursday. And I don't know, I don't actually know what's wrong with him. But if he's back in time for Wednesday, I would imagine he'll play then. But if he's not fit, he's not fit. Yeah, that's it. Okay, um, MWA Gunner, what was the point? Oh, yeah. So he goes on. Should Lacazette be on over? Be one of the three behind a Bemiang instead of a Bemiang being the left midfielder. We've all pretty much. We, I don't know. Go on, Tony or Schwinn, who's got an opinion on this? Because we we have rattled I mean, on about it, but yeah, just quickly, I think the only way that can work is if we switch to like a traditional four four two, where we have true wingers, but we don't have true wingers, because at that point, you know, you, you're pretty much asking Ramsey or what two of Ramsey, Mazadozil, and Mkhitaryan to to fill in into that role. And I don't think we have the players to do that. So, and if you want to continue with this system, then I don't think Lacazette has this, the the pace to to operate on a wing. He could do a job there, you know, in moments during a game, but I don't think long term that's a feasible strategy. Mm. What did you say? Four four two. Yeah, just a traditional four four two, four four one one. Yep. No, I agree. You've got to have both of them up top, haven't you? Yeah, and that's what Tony's been banging on about, like a four three one two. Mm. Uh, but at that point, they're two strikers, and they're not one's not falling deeper. I mean, they might in moments again, but you know, you're not. They're not playing. One's not playing behind the other. Well, I, think, I mean, in the in the four three one two that I've conducted in my head for the last month or so, it would be with Özil at ten, but it would have a Bamiang on the shoulder and and Lacazette slightly shorter for the hold up play and link up play. But it would be. He'd still be as a striker that just comes a little bit short, which is what he does naturally. It wouldn't be as a in a in a ten like role where he's roaming all over the pitch, like a false nine or something. Yeah, I mean, a false nine is practically a ten, but just listed yeah. on the team street as a striker. As I said, I'd have it like I'm trying to think of examples throughout the years. I mean, when we played two up front, we 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 always had Burkham, which it was it was clearly a ten. Just the ten position wasn't invented then. Um, but I don't know, maybe like a York and Cole at Man United, or where, or even a Solskjaer, where Solskjaer played on the shoulder, and then a York came slightly. I mean, he was still a striker by anyone's acknowledgement, but he he came slightly deeper and linked up play a bit more. Mm-hmm. Or a Shearer and a Sheringham for England. It's difficult because when I go back to teams playing two up front, I've got to think back fifteen years. Yeah, but, I'm trying to think of it, think of it myself. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the Leicester team that won the title had had a similar thing going well, we on with exactly. Okazaki. And yeah, and, even the, and the Liverpool team that came very close, Sturridge played on the shoulder and Suarez came a little bit deeper. I know it's Suarez that got all the goals or the majority of goals, but he played the little buzzing role in between, but Sturridge played on the shoulder. So I guess that's them two, as Swin just said, Leicester and Liverpool are probably the two most recent examples of it. Also, I know it's different because of the big man, but it's what Watford are playing at the moment with both Deeney and Gray playing. So Gray oh, plays yeah, on the yeah, shoulder. Yeah, yeah, Dini comes a little bit shorter, and he's the hold-up player. Um, Lacazette's obviously not the size of Dini, but his hold-up is very good. So I'd imagine it working similar to how they work. Yep, yep, yep. And just out of curiosity, Schwinn, with your four-four-two, who do you obviously the two up front? Who, who's your midfield? So Ramsey, Ozil, in the middle. Who? I mean, I, if if that were to happen, I mean, it would not be my choice ever. But if that were to happen, my guess would be it would be. Torreira and Granite in the middle of the park, and I mean, uh, 
honestly, you would rather be you'd be better off throwing in a Wobi on the left and Welbeck on the right because you need true wingers who are going to really put a shift in. And let's be honest, that's not the strongest suit for Mkhitaryan or Mesodozil. And Ramsey could do a job in there, but I don't think he has the, the, the upper body strength to work as a winger, does he? Nah, well, just just but, to clear this up before we get questions about it, Schwinn is definitely not saying we should play that. Um, he's just saying that is the only way he could see Lacazette coming a yes. bit deeper with yeah. Bamian work. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're going to get questions on it. Like, I'm just listening <laughs> yeah. to speak and think. No, I just I just wrote it down. I was thinking of it myself, Schwinn. That was all. I'm, I was thinking how, and I know what you're getting at, but I was just thinking, I wonder how that could work. And it just couldn't. So It wouldn't is yeah. the answer. Yeah, it yeah. Just, just would not work. Um, sorry for throwing you under the bus there. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> um, cash exchange. New listener? New question? I haven't heard him before. Hmm. I have no idea. I haven't looked at the questions clearly. Cash exchange. So, um, with Ramsey, Ozil, Aubameyang, Lacazette, the team looks unbalanced. Who should we drop and who should you replace them with? Tony? Uh, look, again, I personally wouldn't drop any of them. I'd change the shape. If we were to keep the current shape, it's difficult because I'd probably say drop Ramsey, move, move Ozil into 10, but then who you play on the right is a tough one. I'd probably give Mkhitaryan a couple more games to fix up his act defensive-wise. And if he doesn't, as I said earlier, I think I don't think Welbeck's a million miles away from this first team. And I know a lot of people disagree with that. But I just think when you think logically of that right side, he's probably the best fit, which is worrying because he shouldn't be. <laughs> but, but as I said, they're, they're, I said it earlier, they've all got major positives. Mkhitaryan's link-up play of Bellerin is very, very good, but his defensive work is a shambles at best. And and then Welbeck's almost the exact opposite. He's got the pace and power. His his defensive work is brilliant. He can't pass the football, so there'd be no link-up. I think somewhere between them two is is the perfect right winger we need, but unless they have a kid and he becomes a footballer very quickly, it's not going to happen. Hmm. Sorry, I'm just fucking looking at these formations. Thinking, how the fuck? Um, okay. Uh, Clay, Clay Coe, he says, with Chelsea, Tottenham, and and uh, really both Manchester teams underperforming so far this season. Fuck, I, geez, did you watch Manchester City yesterday? Don't you, that's, no, uh, I watched one Saturday. Uh, when was it? Sunday. Saturday. Saturday, was it? Yeah. Tez lives on a different planet. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with his time zones. Um, underperforming so far this season, would you say we have a good shot at the top four? I know it's early, but things are looking up. Who is your top four, boys? Let's go here, Tony. Uh, City, on, Liverpool. On what's happened now? City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and one other. I, I can't call. I can't call fourth between us and Tottenham. I don't think United are going to be in it, to be honest. Mm. I mean, before the season started and we did our preview, I had United in there, but and it's still early days, so we don't know how things are going to shape up. But I mean, f- for us, I think my chances are the same, you know, as I had them before. I don't think I've, you know, I'm more persuaded to to throw us into the mix. 
or or enough to to take us out. I you know at at the moment I would stick with my my early season prediction of of finishing fifth. Couple of fences uh, for you. Well, I just said fifth. Just answer the main I? question. <laughs> fifth, I can't believe well, I'm fifth. Yeah, not not. I don't. I don't think it's it's. We've seen enough to to really say anything more, in my opinion. Well, I'm well, going to go. Me. I'm going to go. Hang on. I'm going to go Liverpool. I'm going to go Liverpool City. They're going to fight out for the top. Depends who falls and stumbles there. Uh, Chelsea. Chelsea. Fuck. Yeah, Chelsea third. I'm going to go Arsenal fourth because I think Tottenham will fall over. Uh, you know, if they get deep into the Champions League. I mean, the, the thing is for me so far, and we're looking, what, six games in, to use a golf term, and I don't play golf, but I think most teams are just on par with where you expect them to be, apart from maybe United. City, you probably wouldn't expect them to drop point for Wolves, but we're not a rival of City this season, I don't think, so I'm not including them. But we've lost the two games we've lost, we probably expect to lose, if we're being honest with ourselves. Tottenham lost to Liverpool, you'd probably expect it. Watford was a bit of a shock. Um, but you look at where Watford are and you go, OK, the way at Watford is not a terrible, terrible loss at this point in time. And so I think you're looking at Man United at losing away to Brighton is the only sort of shock amongst the top six teams. I'd say West Ham, West Ham, Chelsea getting a point. A nil-nil draw, I don't think. I don't think away at West Ham. I mean, we drew away there last year. Chelsea lost away there last year, I think, or two years ago. Tottenham have lost there in the last couple of years. It's not an easy place to go. Um, it, I wouldn't say it is an all-and-out shock. I'd expect Chelsea to win it, but I wouldn't go. Oh, that's a major shock! Like the two teams, that's, that's, it's, it's the, Derby Day, isn't it? I mean, nothing, yeah, nothing makes sense on Derby Day. As I said, I think the only the only shock, actual shock, amongst the big side so far is United losing at um, United losing at Brighton. And I, for me, Wolves getting a point at Old Trafford is more of a shock than West Ham getting a point against Chelsea. Yeah, 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 the, the draw, yeah. I'd agree with Ball, that. Balls, man. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, but then West Ham, boom. Yeah, they started off poor, though. Well, you say that, they, they should have beat us if we're on it. If we're being completely honest, they should have beat us. And then off the back of that, they're going to beat Everton 3-1 away. And then they've cut the, so they're their last two games, and then they go into that game. Hmm. So hmm. you look at kind of form, uh, again, it's not a huge surprise. Hmm. No, fair point. The um, two teams that actually, and, and I'll throw us in it, us and Chelsea, because the two new two new managers, I think that I think we've been doing all right. I think Chelsea's done all right too, considering you've got um, you know two new managers coming in. Like them first two games for us under Emery, I always, we always thought that oh, geez, it's going to be going to be tough, but I think it'd be tough for any new manager to come in to a team. In a World Cup year, and you know, string some wins on. I, I just think it's hard. And, and I've, uh, Sarri's bloody, he's had it harder because they didn't even know what they were friggin' doing up until a couple of weeks into, you know, out of the competition before he got uh, bloody uh, the contract, did he? So I think, I think they've done pretty well, Chelsea. Yeah, look, again, I, I put them as part. We'll see where they're at. They've got Liverpool twice and this week I mean one time they're going to I'd imagine both teams will rotate but then they've got them in the league on Saturday and that'll probably tell us a lot more mm. because the one test they've had so far was us and, and let's be honest had we been 5-2 up at half time no one would have said anything yeah that's right so yeah, we were let's, let's we're see where they're at I think they've done well I agree with you but I, again 
uh, to use the golf term, I, I just think they're on par. Hmm. Like, if not, no one, I don't think anyone's going fucking hell, look at Chelsea. They're doing unbelievable. Yeah, nah, nah. You're probably right. Uh, Liverpool, Liverpool City, the ones that everyone's getting on, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, but I mean, again, Liverpool have, have had six wins, but if you looked at them fixtures before the table, Tottenham is the only one that you maybe would have questioned. And, and look, City have dropped two points that we didn't expect them to, but that's, it's, that's either here nor there. So you could say, OK, maybe they're slightly under par. But I mean, there's nothing in it between them two. I think Liverpool, apart from one fixture, have had all fixtures that I'd been amazed if they hadn't taken all three points. Mm. It's a good win against in the good win um, in the Champions League against PSG Liverpool. Yeah, it was a good win. Good win. PSG was shit though. City dropped yeah. points. Yeah, but the, we're not even in the Champions League. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I literally could not care less. But I watched the game because there's nothing better to do. But like, and I like football. But in terms of looking at how that judges form, I don't really care. City are going to go through their group. Liverpool are going to go through their group. Yeah. Tottenham, I think, are in a bit of trouble. But who cares? In <laughs> fact, I don't even want Tottenham to come third because it's an extra competitor for us. I'd rather they go through and they get dicked in the last 16 by someone. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, keep them there as long as they can. Well, no, if they come third, they drop down into Europa League. But that just makes another team harder for us. And in all honesty, I'd rather play Inter in the Europa League than I would Tottenham. Mm. Okay, Vish, are the rumours true that we are looking um, at... I've uh, got no idea who this bloke is. His name? Uh, Abdullah Decore and Ghanagay. Okay. And January transfer. Uh, would that mean we are stripping off El Nani or merely reinforcements to our midfield, Tony? Uh, not seen the links. Uh, I'm a huge Ghanagay fan, but I don't think there's any chance of us signing him. I think... They probably see him as quite similar to Torreira. Um, and obviously, we've only just signed him. Um, six months ago, I'd have been said go all out for Garnagay, but not now. Uh, Decore, his name just seems to be linked around with everyone forever and never, nothing ever actually happens. I think he signed a new contract in the summer in the end. Uh, I can't see it happening. I, I mean, I'd, I'd put, I'm almost certain it won't happen. Um, and I, it wouldn't be... I think Elneny would go, but it wouldn't be seen as a swap for any. If Decore goes anywhere, they're looking at over 30 million. So he's not going to come in and play the water boy role. Mm. Okay. Um, now we've got one more question, I think. Schwinn? Lee Kirk, new listener question. Uh, my daughter goes to a two, two to four games a year and has yet to see us lose. Do I bite the bullet and pay... Uh, nine hundred pounds for a season ticket and let her go to every game. <laughs> I mean, if Lady Luck is bringing us wins every time she's going, then I think nine hundred pounds is not enough, not a big enough amount to shell out, is it? <laughs> nah. Swin, didn't you offer to pay it for him? Uh, no, I cannot <laughs> make that more explicit. No, I did not. <laughs> I mean, th- th- I, d- I mean, I did want to speak about this uh, just just a bit. Uh, Yesterday, the, odd, the the attendance seemed very low for a Premier League game. I mean, uh, of course, we, you know, we've spoken about how people tend to leave the Emirates five, ten minutes before full time. But uh, even from the beginning and, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes in, it just seemed as if not enough seats were full. But what, what was your sense of that, Tony? I didn't notice as much because I'm sitting in somewhere different. And it's, all, it's always difficult to 
to get the you don't get the same perspective like you know if you're in the same seat every week you can judge what week's busier than the other but when you're sitting somewhere completely different it's hard to tell it didn't look full um but i mean we must all be wrong because we was told that everyone stopped coming because of <laughs> arsenal wenger so we're obviously all mistaken our eyes have lied to us and it was full it was so full there's people sitting on the roof because it, it, it's arsenal wenger's fault obviously <laughs> it's not that our fans are complete arseholes which is the truth it's it's really disappointing i mean as someone and i'm sure tez agrees with this the sentiment you know as as someone who watches the game from afar and doesn't really make it to a whole lot of arsenal games it it, it's 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 a a bit of a a perspective and i don't want to be preachy here but i'm not quite sure what what some of our fans want you know as you as you alluded to the change was wanted demanded and they got it all of us got it and I can still see an argument for a midweek game against Borskla, uh, although I don't want to, but I can see it. But against Everton, which is you know a competitive team, the game was, of course, uh, symbolic of that. And on, on a weekend, nice day in, in London. I know it was raining early in the day, but then it seemed to be a nice September's afternoon. I'm not quite sure what our fans want at this moment. So it's, 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 it's really one. disappointing. Yeah, it's a difficult one. There's been loads of debates on Twitter today. People saying, oh, if they don't use use their seats, because obviously it's an electronic card that you use to enter the ground, they should be stripped of them. But look, I go to every game and it does annoy me that seats are empty. But for me, I think if you've brought it, you can kind of do what you want with it. And it is disappointing that someone would buy a seat and, and not attend. But really and truly, that's their prerogative. It's like... I don't know, to turn it into cars, someone that has a supercar and doesn't use it, or someone having someone having two or three cars and only uses one of them. You can't then take that car off them because they're not using it. So I, I see the debate, and it is annoying, and I can imagine it's even more annoying for people that can't go to games. I'm in a privileged position where I can go every week, but I'd imagine that people that struggle to get tickets and they see empty seats, it is heartbreaking. But if someone's paid the money, I don't think you can tell them how they can and can't use their ticket. They've paid for it. And I think this idea of Oh, if they don't go to enough games, strip them of it is is nonsense, really. It's not. It's different if they were picking and choosing the games they go to and then only paying for them games. But that's not the case. They're paying for the this, this season up front. And let's be honest, I doubt the club give a shit because they've got the money in the bank. They've got, they had that money in the bank in June, so I, I don't think they really care. Is is the truth? Well, I just wonder whether it's because look, I for me it's neither here nor there because I, I know they're you know season ticket holders. I don't look at the stadium on TV and go. Oh shit! No, nobody's there. But I, I talked, spoke to you about the Europa League game, um, and I wonder whether you know mid midweek fixture or uh, people are working, people have got to get kids to school, and and just don't have the time to go to the game. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, as, as, look if that game we saw with Europa League last year, it's pretty much empty throughout. We get Atletico Madrid, and there wasn't a spare seat in the ground, so. The opposition does play a part, but as I said, for me, it's, it's the prerogative of the owner of the season ticket. As I said, I wouldn't tell you how to ride your bike. I wouldn't tell you how to drive your car. I wouldn't tell you how to use your laptop. For me, it's a possession. Your season ticket is a possession of that person and how they want to use it. It is down to them. As I said, I think it's ridiculous when people leave it empty, but I also think it's their choice. Yeah. Okay. You're right there, Schwinn? Yeah, I mean, I'll just quickly say that I'm obviously not advocating for people to be stripped off uh, of their property because that's what essentially that would be. But I feel like the club could do something here maybe, and maybe this is me well, being very... Why would they have been paid? Well, 
when when you're when you're catering to that big of an audience, uh, you know, it, it's it's always better to to be approachable. And if if there was a, a, a sort of an official exchange, they could establish whether that there was is. At, there is. Schwinn, but, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna look, and I I'm just gonna put it down to this for you though. Let's say you're in the seat selling game, right? You've got you've got ten seats, and you sell these ten seats. You've got your hundred bucks for every ten seat. You've catered for them ten seats as well, so you've put on food, you've put on a bit of beer for them ten seats. Them ten, only five of them people turn up. What do you do with the other five? No, I mean I understand that, but I'm saying if there is time for you know a ticket holder knowing that they won't be making the game. There should maybe there there could be an easier way, and of course, you know, I'm not a season ticket holder, so I'm not sure what they have to go through. So there's, that's there's, thing. there's two options. You can either put it on the ticket exchange, uh, where the clubs sell it for you. So if the if it doesn't sell on there, then you're just completely out of pocket. Uh, so the ticket goes empty. Uh, if they do sell it, I think it's ten percent they take, but they also don't credit you cash. They give it to you off your next season ticket, or if you don't renew, then they give you cash. So. Either way, you're not getting paid till the end of the year. And the the average customer at the Emirates is quite wealthy, so they don't really care about waiting until the end of the year for £40. So that's the problem with that one. The other way to do it is there's a ticket transfer service, which is a pound per ticket, and you can transfer it to another Arsenal member. That relies on you knowing an Arsenal member. A lot of people do just give their tickets to their mates, but technically speaking, it's illegal. And the club have clamped down on it quite a bit, which makes no sense because when the stadium's empty, you think they just let people get on with it. But they do come round now and check and ask for ID and should check it's the same name that's on the electronic card that's entered the ground. Uh, I mean, you can get, for anyone listening, you can get away with it because it's not a legal requirement to carry ID in this country. So you can just say, no, I haven't got my ID. But they are starting to check that and they are reprimanding people and even chucking people out for it. So the club aren't helping themselves. Um, but oh, yeah, the two good. systems... Yeah, it is very stupid. But the two systems that are in place um, don't really work. And just as a point of that, uh, the Burnley game, Wenger's last game, uh, one of my friends, so Charlie Shanks, who does all the drawings that we always retweet, brilliant artist, I got him a ticket for the Burnley game um, using my mate's account. When Charlie got to his seat, there was someone waiting there because they knew that the person sitting in the account, sitting in the seat, wasn't the account holder. That's how petty they're getting with it. Oh, yeah. No, that's shocking. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I I would imagine that there's some security element to it, but you know, if if you produce an ID, even if no, it's went, not the ticket holder, you should be all right. He went for the official process of transferring the ticket because I physically gave him the ticket. I didn't give him my mate's membership card, so he didn't go in with the card that said Mr. Smith or whatever the guy's name was. He went in with a physical printed e-ticket, which is the official way to do it, and they're still checking him inside the ground. The club are not accommodating it at all. And as I said, the two systems they've got don't really work because there's actually no way. So say I'm assuming you guys aren't Arsenal members just because of where you're based. So if, say, Schwinn, you come over, there's no fully legal way of me giving you a ticket to a home game. Wow. Because they want you to be an Arsenal member, which costs £30. But if you're only here for one week and going to come to one game and the, the t- value of the ticket might be £70, are you going to really pay another £30 on top for a year's membership that you're not going to use because you're going back out of the country. And that's the only way legally to, to give you... Look, there's loads of ways around it. But that's the only way to go through Arsenal's eyes for me to give you a ticket. Hmm. Interesting. Strange business. 
It's very as I said, they don't look. They've got their money and they don't care. They don't want people selling the tickets unless it goes through the ticket exchange. But as I said, you lose ten percent, and if you lodge it on the ticket exchange, you can't sell it elsewhere because it's like in Arsenal's hands. But if they, they kind of have it both ways, if they sell it, they get ten percent. If they don't sell it, they don't lose anything. It's not like they buy it back off you and then sell it themselves. It's still your property until they manage to sell it. So, like, the, the Vorskler game the other day, there would have been untold amounts of tickets on the ticket exchange. But they wouldn't have sold, so then people would have just been out of pocket. Hmm, okay. Right, um, that's it for the questions, boys. So, thank you, everybody, for your questions. You can get them at, at clockn underscore talk. Um, also, on Facebook, when I get a minute, check the Facebook Boys, I'm just going to touch quickly on, and on before we wrap up, so Savvy done his ratings, and you can have a look at Savvy's ratings and all the boys doing the blog stuff, Craig and Texas Gooner and what likes, uh, a couple of other boys there, but yeah, it was some names, so I can't remember who they are. But there's about four or five of the lads there doing um, some good articles. So clockandtalk.blogspot.com. So just on Savvy's ratings, so check he check was the man of he's man of the match at ten. Um, Mustafi a five point five. I won't read it all because you can check it out. And Urzel a six. Um, Lacazette an eight. So so you can check that out on the blog. Um, also, boys, we've got a game coming up during the week. Uh, Brentford, EFL Cup. Uh, imagine it'd be a very weak team from us, Tony. You boys want to do a quick prediction? 10 0. 10 0. Uh, weak lineup? Uh, yeah, so I'd imagine rotated completely. Again, I, I don't think there'll be anyone that started yesterday that starts on Wednesday. Okay. Um, what do you say, Schwinn? Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'll go 2 1. And yeah, I don't expect uh, any of our starters in there. Okay. I think I mean we'll see like holding a Wobie Welbeck who obviously came on yesterday but I don't think we'll see I, I mean maybe at left back Nacho might have to play again I doubt it but I, I can't come up with a reasonable alternative but he's yeah I don't even think that'll happen I think it'll be 11 changes is yeah those young real the young air young players they should get a really good run here too shouldn't they just trying to look um, so I'm just looking who the our left back is. Two, two, two. I'll say two, two was one of the ones that trained with the first team last week. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to find it. Burnley, at, uh, sorry, Brentford aren't awful. Uh, but you don't know. With these championship clubs, they sometimes throw away the competition as well. Cause they think, oh, we ain't going to win it. We'll focus on the league. Yeah. So you never know what they're going to play. But they're not. A, they're not a shit team. So. I don't think he'll go too young. Eddie might get a run out somewhere. Willock might get a run out. Uh, Smith Rowe might get a run out. But I think it'll be largely rotated. But so when you're looking at players like Holding, Iwobi, uh, Welbeck, there's still there should still be enough in there to win. Um, it'd be interesting at centre back, depending on how bad Socrates' injury is. It might have to be Holding and Mustafi again. I'd, I'd like to see Mafrapanis get a run, but then again, if you well, said he's said got he a little apparently injury. Apparently, upset this week, so I don't know what's up with him. Lick Stein, he'll be on the right. Yep. Hmm. Still not a bad time. Oh, Carl Jenkins. 
When's he gonna get Thanosaurus. around? Thanosaurus. <laughs> <Busy. laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, he's, uh, he's injured. Oh, he's, that's, he's still injured, isn't he? Yeah, that, that costume won't hurt his back. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go to... What, uh, what do you go, Schwinn? 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. I'll go 3-1. Any of us pick it last week? Again, Everton? Can't no. Nah. Oh, I right. was closest, though, because I got a nil for them and none of you two did. So. <laughs> Tony's writing his shit down now. Okay, well, boys. No, 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 no. <laughs> you just remembered. <laughs> uh, anything else, boys? Nah. All good. Uh, we might come back and record after the Bradford game next Friday, depending on what Schwinn's up to and if me and Tony are up to it. And we might do a preview on the, is it Watford? Yeah. Watford game. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, we will be back after the Watford game and we'll do both games then. So uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, our loyal listeners out there, unbelievable. Thank you for following us on Twitter at and underscore talk. Keep up the interaction, guys. It's great. Uh, great talking to you as all. Um, Facebook and the support on YouTube has been absolutely brilliant. So we do read the comments there, and thank you for the comments, and thank you for your kind comments as well and your support there. So, Okay, guys, thanks again, and we'll speak to you uh, next week. Adios. <laughs>